Yeah, do you think there's any chance that a Brazilian does not walk away with gold from the first Olympics? The general narrative was the Brazilian men will win gold and silver, given that it's in Japan. At this time of year, historically, the waves aren't great. And I'd just like to say that it had no bearing of what the conditions would be like. If the waves were shit or the waves were pumping, those two guys have been the best two in the world consistently for the last few seasons on the world tour. So to answer your question, yes, they are going to win gold. All right, and welcome to the Olympics edition of the Stab Cusp. Stacy. I don't know if I ever thought we were going to be here, but we're here. We're just a couple days out um, from surfing officially taking place in the Olympics, and it's going to be in the ocean. What do you think? Yeah, I'm a little disappointed, actually. I would have loved to have seen the first Olympics go down in a wave pool. I think it would have added to the whole spectacle of the, the, the event, but... On the flip side of that, it actually looks like they're going to get rideable, very contestable waves. So in that sense, I'm excited. And I think no matter what anyone says, including myself, I'll still be tuning in regardless of sort of where it is and what the format is. So we're getting close now, Mikey. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things to that. One is that, yes, currently it looks like the waves are going to be good. Looks like it's going to be kind of like a cyclone, basically, that's pushing a bit of wind at first. So it's going to be probably big and junky for the first day if they run it. Second day looks like it could get good when the cyclone pulls off the coast and kind of pulls the wind offshore. It could actually be like really, really sick. And then it'll probably die off pretty quickly as cyclonic swells tend to do as they pass. Um, but they should be able to at least get a couple days of competition in and then maybe on the backside we'll see some more waves but on your point of tuning in no matter what there is kind of an interesting thing is that we're not really entirely sure of how easy it's going to be to watch the olympics it's not as if you can just tune into worldsurfleague.com or go onto youtube or go onto facebook like um, i don't know what kind of tv carrier paid for the Olympics in your part of the world, but in the U S it's NBC. So you need to basically have some sort of NBC subscription or whatever to be able to watch surfing. And even then, if you have it, we're not even necessarily sure if you're going to be able to like watch the whole thing. Cause normally they have, you know, an hour blocked out for this sport an hour blocked out for that sport. So it's possible that we're only going to get to see like a small percentage of the Olympic surfing that actually happens, which would be a bummer because we've waited so long it would feel weird to not get to like kind of bask in it and sit down with a couple of beers or popcorn or whatever it is and and fucking dig in but um yeah i guess we're just not quite sure at this point how much of it we're going to get to see yeah to your point in australia it's channel seven and uh they have a i guess a sister station um 73 or 76 i think it is and and it's called seven mate would you believe it or not <laughs> and um it, you're right like i don't see them you know posting up the whole day like a game of cricket or a game of baseball or a surfing or whatever and just having it on no matter what so it'll be interesting to see um how how that plays out and um thankfully for us those channels are free to air tv so all you need to own is a television or a computer i'm sure you can watch it on their website as well uh, but it's all it's all free and and live, so that's that's cool for us. I guess we can we can tune in no matter what. But I do know for the surfing, 
from my understanding is they will be taking the feed straight from uh, NBC and I believe um, Joe Turpel will be calling that alongside some others. So it's it's kind of... The voice of surfing. Absolutely. It'll feel familiar once it comes on the TV, but it's just a matter of when it comes on the TV. And I think that um, he's had to he's had to go out to their studios. Um, I believe they're in Connecticut and go out there to, to do the job. And obviously the, the broadcast will be ripped from Japan and then streamed out to all the different providers uh, around the world. So it's going to be interesting to see because I know leading into the Olympics... All the conversations from a from a boardroom perspective are there'll never be more eyeballs on surfing, and that might be the case, but it might only be for like six minutes as a time six minutes at a time. And you and I know with live surfing, you can't really plan around that. You, they might flip over to the best heats and then nothing else. But the best heats on paper might be the slowest for waves, and we know how it works. But it's going to be interesting to see how it fits into the Olympic uh, format. Yeah, and. Um... You know, that was one of the things that we were saying that the pool could solve when we were in our last episode with Evan Geiselman and Willie McFarland of American Wave Machines. We were getting pretty excited, especially when Willie hinted at the idea that it was possible that the event could end up there, um, which kind of, you know, sparked a bit of controversy and debate on our Instagram. It actually ended up with (laughs) the ISA commenting, saying that basically there's no way that's going to happen. And then... Uh, Fernando Aguirre left a, a voicemail on a stab employee's phone <laughs> saying the exact same thing. <laughs> it was pretty funny that they definitely, you can tell that they didn't want to cede control to anybody as we've also seen with their interactions with the WSL over the past few years. It's been this really interesting, like little older brother, younger sibling tug of war thing where the WSL has obviously always had control over the best surfers and was seen as, you know, the prestigious organization and prestigious events. And um, now the ISA just has this golden freaking egg in their pocket and they're not going to let anybody take it. Um, And, you know, more power to him, I suppose. Yeah, look, you can say what you like about Fernando. Uh, He's a polarizing character. But one thing I can definitely respect him for is that he has controlled this from start to finish. Uh, and it's been in an interesting time given the global pandemic. But he stuck to his guns. Like you said, he's got the golden egg. He's got the golden ticket. And it's it. this whole thing has been on his terms. And, um, you know, in this day and age, it's it's kind of cool to see. He's not backing down from anything. And he, he saw the post, obviously. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was him actually controlling the ISA Instagram or at least yelling at someone <laughs> to type what exactly what he said. Uh, um, and then to that, it's been really bizarre for me to observe the... Firstly, most people that I interact with don't really care that surfing's in the Olympics. But then it's those same type of people that are blowing up about it potentially being in a pool. And to me, it kind of, I don't know what you think about it, but if surfing is in the Olympics, it is in the Olympics, sorry, to me, it being in a pool is the closest thing to it ever being a sport or a controllable sport that we'll ever have. So to me, it makes perfect sense. Uh, But as I read through all the comments on Instagram, the crew were pissed off that the thought that it wouldn't be in the ocean because that's where it belongs. Uh, No doubt surfing belongs in the ocean, but I think in an Olympic sense, a pool's perfect. 
Yeah, that was what's interesting to me is kind of like I guess the con- contradictory ideologies that I see like happening within people because the people that want the Olympics to be in the ocean would consider themselves surfing purists, right? But if you're a surfing purist, the Olympics is the furthest thing from pure surfing in the world. So like at least in my mind it makes makes way more sense to like be like okay, this is this novelty thing that happens. Let's not taint pure surfing by making it seem like the Olympics is real surfing. And the easiest way to do that, of course, is to strip away the ocean aspect, which is what we all know makes surfing real. Um, so I don't know. I, I find it interesting that like they don't see the irony in all of that, but I guess they just love the ocean and they don't want to give it up. So you and I agree on this. I like it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's I'm the same. I'm, I'm tripping that, that people... Uh, yeah, I'm guessing we're going to have to be in the minority on this one, Mikey, by the looks of the Instagram <laughs> comments anyway. But that's cool. That's cool. Uh, speaking of which, um, the format, did, are you able to run us through that and what, and what it looks like and how, how you go about winning a, a gold medal in the Olympics on the men's and women's side of the draws? Yeah, so um, I know that Danny and Buck discussed this on last week's episode of The Drop, but for anybody that missed that, basically... Um, the IOC granted surfing 20 slots for women and 20 slots for men just as kind of like their arbitrary not understanding surf or surf competition numbers. And come to find out that 20 is a really, really bad number for a heat draw. It's really hard to break up evenly and make it fiddle down to like a, a fine point. So what they had to do is create a format that we've never seen before, which is they start with four man heats. If you get first or second in that heat, you go directly to round three. If you get third or fourth, you go to round two. In round two, there are two five-man heats. Um, So, yeah, there's going to be a five-man heat, which just brings me back to freaking ESA days. Just (laughs) beach starts, 15 minutes, get your three waves against your five other competitors. And, yeah, it was was grueling, but... uh, that's what the Olympic surfers are going to have to deal with. Um, so then the top three surfers from those five-man heats will advance on to round three. And round three on is all man-on-man heats. So basically, they're just getting rid of four surfers in those first two rounds. And then they have a 16-man draw, which they can cleanly get down to a final of two people. And is the final four people? or No, no. It's, it's all man-on-man all- starting in round okay. three. Yeah. Yep. And um, wow, they're only still getting rid of four people and they've got half the amount of people that are on the world tour that we only get rid of four of after two rounds. It's fantastic. Yeah, surfers hate losing. They will do they anything do. in their power. They will freaking get up there and filibuster. They would have five no-loser rounds if they could. <laughs> uh, the most sensitive group of athletes on the earth. Don't say anything critical about them. Don't knock, don't knock them out of a competition. Everybody's a winner. No, <laughs> everyone makes it to the end of the draw. Yeah, that's right. There's been like ideas floating around of you just turning up to a CT and your first heat is is knockout. And and that was the case in 2009. And um, yeah, it's um, not the worst idea when you look at how to run an event and a structure it and get the event actually done. Yeah, as long uh, as... But of course, if you're, the, if you're one of the 36 surfers on the tour, you're pretty much all of them are saying that's not a good idea. I know this is going to sound really nonsensical in terms of how numbers work, but I swear it would make the most sense and be the most fair to do that if you started with man-on-man heats 
rather than three-man heats? Because I know in theory, in a three-man heat where two people advance, you have a higher percentage chance of advancing. But I swear those top-level guys have a better like chance of winning a heat that they're in man-on-man because it's such a different dynamic and they can command that situation so much more easily than a three-man heat, which is just so much more kind of helter-skelter. And it seems like it's more... It's not a true representation of competition surfing, I don't think. That's why, you know, all the important heats in events are man-on-man. So I think if you started an event man-on-man, I think that's fair. Like, you need to – it's just like tennis or whatever. Like, you need to be able to beat that person that you're up against fair and square one-on-one. It's That's what it is. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you look at the people that are in those three-man heats, how often does the red jersey lose? So essentially it's 50-50 anyway. Like, the top seeds are so – yeah, so good that they very rarely fumble anyway. So I like your point there. I think that starting man on man is completely fair, and it just helps crumble the draw down into a finish. Uh, although it is very cutthroat. Um, yeah, that's we'll let the we'll let the big the big bosses who get paid the big bucks figure that one out. Yeah. Speaking of which, we've gotten off track, and we need to talk about the Olympics. And I know that you actually last night got on the phone with two of the Olympic head coaches being B. Durbage of Australia and Brett Simpson of the USA. So why don't we cut over to them and see what they have to say about what's been going on in Japan and their preparation and all that. And then, uh, yeah, you and I can hop on after and discuss what we learned. Well, Bede, I understand that this is the busiest you've been in a long time, mate, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. We really appreciate you jumping on the stab cusp. Uh, I'd been chatting to both of you guys uh, and hoping to have a chat with you at some point this week, but it turns out you're both available now, so I thought we'd all just get us on together. My co-host Mikey sends his regards. He can't make it, unfortunately. It is one o'clock or two o'clock in There's the morning no where he is. So, allowed. yeah, I'm just going to. Um... <laughs> this is the Olympics, boys. B, talk me through it. What's going on over there? Uh, what has your day been consisting of at the moment, mate, as the uh, head coach of the Australian surf team? Yeah, it's been a uh, fun little day so far. I went down for a surf. It was actually before we started the surf, we, all the athletes, as Brett probably knew, had to get all their boards and um, boardies checked and swimmers for the girls. It was That was pretty strange, like going to an event where they – check over your equipment and no logos have to be certain sizes and um yeah super different so that was um started off the morning and then everyone all our four surfers went out and had a little shred and had some fun and came back watched footage and had lunch and kicked back so that that puts me to my next question gents um the the men they're not surfing in speedos we're not forcing them yeah I think Owen wanted to, but um, yeah, like I said, no, I don't have to. <laughs> Showcase those long legs. Give give the people uh, give the people what they want. Well, um, the next the next part I want to really dip into is the forecast. Actually, looks pretty fun. H- how is it at the moment? And uh, Brett, I'll, I'll get your opinion on uh, what you think it's looking yeah, like. Yeah, so the the waves have been really small like clean mornings maybe one to two foot little there's a little jetty right that's been pretty fun kind of where everyone's been surfing um forecast looks good i mean we've been looking at this thing for like 10 days and it changes every hour like it it's seemingly pushed back a little bit later than original but it's gonna have waves it seems like it's gotten a little bit smaller 
but overall it's it's a pretty good forecast if if we've went over like the last 20 odd years here at this time and it hasn't got over like chest high or something so oh all in all it's it, there may be some wind what you know the start of the swell and then the next day could be nice and clean and a really good long day and then who knows after that hopefully if we can get three i think it can be finished but if it gets too small you know they might there was a couple little energy behind that, but I'm not sure if that's even there. Yeah, well, it sounds promising compared to what you're used to getting over there in this, this time of year. So I think we're all excited to see that. Um, Bede, is there is there any PUs in those board bags or is everyone just epoxied up? Oh, uh, it was looking like just epoxies. And then, yeah, that swell popped up. And yeah, just made quick phone calls to everyone and spoke to the shapers. And yeah, so made sure there's some... Uh, yeah, PUs in there. Hopefully, like Brett said, it could be could be really fun and just so good for the surfing um, community to see like the Olympics go off in good waves. That'll be just dream come true. Um, you mentioned all the uh, you know your equipment and that was getting measured up. Did, did any of the shapers try and push the friendship there and make their logos a little bigger, or did everyone get approved? <laughs> uh, looks like it, but I saw either of those boards. That's pretty different i didn't know bill, bill long and i were making hey, they gonna, they're not gonna let that fly are they i don't know yeah. i mean the rule was what we were told it had to be sold at retail for a certain amount of months i mean i don't know where he's selling those things but <laughs> yeah so yeah i don't know that'd be yeah i'd love to be in the room when they they um measure those ones up down at the yeah. i'm the same i'm wondering if they're making them cover that <laughs> i mean what's the vibe like compared to a ct obviously in both of your camps like two surfing powerhouses no doubt over the last you know ever since competitive surfing's been a thing it's always been kind of australia and america at the top and more recently brazil so there's certainly a swagger that you know we all walk around with when it comes to surfing has anyone been piped down because this is not just a regular comp anymore like obviously this is the olympics this is a different kettle of fish has anyone been tapped on the shoulder and sort of said you know none of that around here i don't know not that i know of um seen it's really quiet like so mellow compared to a ct like um well, there's just like this only 40 surfers few like each country has a few staff and because of social distancing and the mask so no, it's just so different like um, i agree yeah. i agree dude it's it's uh even even around town like there's people around but we're, we're kind of having to take you know your buses to everything and you're into the venue and you're not seeing a ton of people so i think it's it's different it's it's been more fun like team camaraderie rather than than having to deal with a lot of the the outside noise per se and I think it's been great. I think, I think for some of our athletes, they, they really enjoy that. And then, you know, it, it could have been a massive event for, you know, the Japanese team and, and having that local, you know, crowd and flavor and push. Uh, I think it's going to be even, even playing field now. You know, it's, it's kind of everyone's in the, in the same. Yeah, same you make a good game. point. And I'd, I'd like, you know, both of your opinions on, on this. Uh, Brett, I'll start with you. I'd like to know if you had taken on board, obviously, the Brazilian camaraderie on the world tour uh, and, and noted, obviously, their success, seeing the Olympic format and the surfers having to travel together, 
are you noticing, like you said, that camaraderie? Is that is that uh, is it feeling really yeah, good? Yeah, I mean that was something I I had always worried a little bit about, but most of our athletes have spent a, a good amount of together, which is which has been great, you know. And I think even here, it's kind of it, they're just relishing that moment, like they're understanding that this is the first Olympics, it's the Olympics, you know. So they're I think they're really embracing that and kind of there hasn't been any any dramas at all in our camp so far so good and i mean everyone likes to surf a little bit different times and stuff like that so we just balance that out but overall we've been pretty tight together and spending a lot of you know spending quite a bit of time together it's been super cool for me you know to get them all together and i think they're in there and it must be good to have the whole gang in one one little unit yeah definitely and yeah we've been i don't know um steph and Owen got in last night, so they arrived at different times, but we all went for our for a surf today. And I don't know, they're just organically just wanted to hang out and be together because you can't you can't go out like anywhere else. So you want to almost just be a tribe. And um, well, that's what I've felt in our group. And um, they don't mind um, surfing together. And the El Salvador trip with the ISAs was huge for us to get that. Um, congruency i guess of like everyone to just mold together and um yeah since then everyone our crew's been super tight and um yeah i've been loving sitting back watching it well if you guys are having any drama um scheduling your surfing sessions with multiple athletes wanting to surf at different times um, i'm sure you've both got jake patterson's number he used to he used to he used to, <laughs> he used to juggle a few athletes yeah. on the road and he had it down to a fine art so give him a call yeah <laughs> <laughs> give him a ring. <laughs> oh, zoom, uh, he'd, he'd love that. A few, few bits of two cents worth. You know, it was funny. We were watching Snake Tales the other day. We watched one of the episodes here to like look at the waves and try to get a gist of what it may be like. You know, it's pretty. Classic. That's classic. Hey, don't give away, don't give away too much strategy, Simpo. You know, you've got a you know an opposition coach on the line here. Feeds <laughs> the ice man. Feeds the ice man. You reckon he's just going to give you a little little faint look as he walks past you if you guys match up against each other? I don't even want to look at him. This is like that. That's like that. That's why Brett's got his sunnies on right now. It's just. (laughs) 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 Yes, this plays poker face. He's in poker game. Um, you guys have both been dealing with some pretty pretty big sort of news stories with a couple of uh, a couple of the gents. Um, Beat. I just wanted to know. I know we're running short on time here, but um, how's Julian been? Obviously, a massive announcement recently. Um, is there a certain sort of a sense of contentment within Jules's energy at the moment, knowing that he's made that announcement, but he's got one more event to go this year? Uh, how's he doing? And how's he feeling? Yeah, he's doing real well. You can just see that. Um that pressure lifted off his shoulders of because you know he's such a family man he it was always hard for him going away so yeah he's really energized and fired up for this event um been his last one and um yeah he, he's gonna yeah put it all into it and i don't know he just he's got this different energy that he's just buzzing and um yeah, and um, Brett, the American women have been fighting for titles the last few seasons and they're looking really well versed to do well here. But the men, obviously, John and Kolohe coming off huge injuries. We spoke a little bit earlier about John's injury and, and Kolohe. Can you give us some insight there into how they're going? Yeah, I mean, they're both 
they're both been in the water for a little while now. I think Kolohe is probably wasn't as major. It was a solid injury, had to get a little surgery procedure, but he's he's rounding out pretty close now. And and then John is maybe a little there behind, but you always got to be, you know, the wounded warrior and we got some waves coming. So I think he's revving up at a good time. I think he's starting to feel a little bit better each day, as I was kind of saying earlier. So um, he's excited. I think mentally he's trying to, you know, find a little, find a little fun little thing to kind of, you know, push him a little bit more and and what can make it a little more interesting and fun. And obviously when you're maybe not at your hundred percent. And I think Bede would attest like, as you get older in this career, you're not, you're never really, it's hard to get back to a hundred percent, you know, that's in some way, but um, gosh, he surfed, he surfed pretty well this morning and I was pretty excited on that. So, and he seems, uh, he seems mentally a little more excited that, that he's kind of rounding out to shape pretty close to time. So, um, yeah, I mean, they both, they both have great chances. They're both surfing well enough to, to go deep into the, to the rounds here. So it's going to be exciting. It's good. It's, it's another, it's another event. It just, it really depends how you look at it. And, and, you know, if you, it's going to be so fun seeing them kind of, I guess they do 10 minutes before each heat and they get to go up on the stage and represent their country so like it's gonna it's different in that sense where there's gonna be, you know the that you know nerves excitement and but you still got to go out there and treat it you know as as all that work you've done and as a as another heat that it's what these guys and girls are so good at you know so be fun. Do you think Brett? Do you think a, a heat with a medal on the line against Gabriel Medina that'll get John excited? Well, hell yeah. <laughs> I think um, it's funny. I mean, they're totally two different type of people, but man, he, I just, you can sense it. Like that stuff gets them super excited. And uh, we talk about it, you know, there's, there's moments we've, we talk about it, not to get totally sucked into their game, you know, but, but ultimately kind of keep doing you and who you are. That's why you're so good. And uh, yeah, it's, it'll be, I, I think, when that when that hopefully when that moment comes yeah it's it's no hold bar you know gabby's kind of at the epicenter right now he's dominating on the tour he's a he's a freaking he's the terminator pretty much you know he's he's just he's proven you know in every condition every wave and yeah it, it'll be exciting i think john and both Kolohe revel that you know revel for totally. that and, and bead someone I'd, I'd like to get a bit insight on which i haven't really spoken about yet but i think is one of australia's best metal chances is sally fitzgibbons she just seems custom built for these types of scenarios um how's how's sal dealing with uh you know the different environment that she's been placed in yeah Sal's. uh yeah definitely uh wanted to be olympian for a long time if it, even if it wasn't uh surfing back when she was a kid you know with athletics but she's very calm very relaxed um yeah she's she knows she's done all the hard work and preparation now and it's time to enjoy the moment and and yeah i think um yeah if destiny plays its part she'll probably she'll do all right thank you both heaps for your time i'm stoked to get you both together and uh man i miss miss your simpo and yeah it's um it's been Cool to chat. I'll, I'll be watching out for you on the webcast. Hopefully a little coach arm wrestle at some point. That'd be sick.
See you at the yeah. beach, Peter. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> first reserve. Yeah. First reserve if there's any dodgy knees in that Aussie yeah. team. He's out there. <laughs> <laughs> mm. You too, Simbo. Like you too, mate. Like You're only like fresh off the block. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, boys. See you guys. Later, Peter. See you soon. All right, Stacey. Thank you for uh, handling that in my absence. Um, I was blissfully asleep so yeah i appreciate you doing the legwork there and getting on the phone with the boys i can't believe you got them both at the same time you know what i was kind of like a little scruffy dog chasing a scrub turkey and then when you finally get it in your mouth you have no idea what to do and then when i had both <laughs> of them on the call i kind of was pretty uh stoked to see simpo i hadn't had a chat with him or see him in ages and then uh with bead sitting there in his team uniform looking really proper i was actually you know really thrown off by that actually <laughs> it was like okay this is the olympics crew are in their kit bead has had he said to me uh earlier in the day before we jumped on the call that he's never been busier like, he's got ethan smith there uh from surfing new south wales who's the team media manager and bead is the one who's getting the most requests at the moment so you know he's had a big couple of days of phone calls so i was stoked to have him on albeit briefly and uh get some insights from uh from the gents but um how much how much do you think a a national olympic surfing coach gets paid are these guys like getting taken care of is is this a pretty lucrative little thing they got going on i have no idea but what i would say is that it is uh, employment of an olympic uh period so if you take Andy King, for instance, who's with Gabriel Medina, that would be a one-off. You'd have to imagine a fairly handsome fee. But whereas like Bede and Simpo, they've been working, I know in Bede's case, a, a, a more or less a desk job for the last few years, getting the team together, running logistics, uh, doing all those types of things. So I'd like to think B's getting well looked after, but I know he's putting in a lot of a lot of hours behind the scenes, and it's certainly not just a turn up to the Olympics as head coach and get paid a million dollars and then never do it again. But um, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, did you just say that Andy King is in Japan, like coaching Gabby there? Yeah, after their stellar run through the Australian leg, uh, Gabriel invited Kingy to Japan, and Kingy is on deck in Japan. Um, with Gabriel. I was like 99% sure that you couldn't do that, but I guess they found a loophole. I could throw a call out there that could be completely wrong, but I do not know that Brazil has um, the same structures as the US and Australia when it comes to peak bodies. So, for instance, uh, Surfing Australia is the uh, member of the AOC, which is then a member of the IOC, um, Australian Olympic Committee, International Olympic Committee. I'd imagine America has a pretty similar setup. Brazil doesn't look like it has the same structures as Australia and America when it comes to, um, you know, organising these big teams. And Italo's there with his filmer, uh, uh, you know, friend that he's been travelling with on the world tour. And... Gabriel is there with Kingy. So that's how the Brazilian team are rolling. And I'd imagine that perhaps there's some sort of loophole there where 
you can bring a coach if your country doesn't send one for you. So uh, that's that's the case. And um, yeah, I think that plays into their favour m- more so than it already did them being how on top of the world they are right now. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, got, as if they needed any more yeah, help. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. And uh, so let's talk about that. I know you got into it a little bit and of course, Bede and Brett are always going to elevate their own surfers. But um, yeah, do you think there's any chance that a Brazilian does not walk away with gold from the first Olympics? I'd just like to make a point that I think as soon as the Olympics got announced, uh, the the general narrative was the Brazilian men uh, will win gold and silver, given that it's in Japan um, at this time of year. Historically, the waves aren't great, and I'd just like to say that it had no bearing of what the conditions would be like. If the waves were shit or the waves were pumping, those two guys have been the best two in the world consistently for the last few seasons on the world tour. So, to answer your question, yes, they are going to win gold i think but it had nothing to do with the fact that it's japan and the waves are one foot and they're fantastic grovelers they're just fantastic surfers and they're competing harder and better than anyone right now and that's just the matter of fact i think for oh, can i get an amen wow i think the surfers like owen and julian who are two of my absolute favorites to watch i have a better chance of doing well given that they are going to be some waves on offer but as we've seen in the last few seasons on the CT and in this year, the the ratings don't lie. These guys are on fire. So it's it's game on. And and I hope that, you know, Julian and Owen, from, from an Aussie perspective for me, I hope they get their chances and every dog has their day and who knows. But going in, if there's a betting list, those guys are so short price favorites. It's undeniable. It. If there was going to be, I mean, there is going to be another medalist because there are only two Brazilians. Um, so who in your mind is primely positioned for that bronze? Just before we answer that, does the surfing get a copper? I'm not sure. I hope they do because I'll start from the bottom and I'd like to see Rio Waida get a copper medal because I think that's mm. where he would likely finish. I'd love him to. A kid, a young kid from Indonesia, if he medaled at these Olympics, it would change his life. The fact that he's already going is going to change his life, but that's one part of the Olympics that I really get pretty frothed out on is someone like him can really, you know, really make a really good living and a life for himself if he does well here. And uh, then going into third, I'll give the ozone the nod. If there's going to be some waves... Um, I think Owen's been training hard and looking pretty good, so I'll go with Owen. What about local boy, quote-unquote? Oh, yeah, I knew I'd forget him, but he's he's crazy good. He's amazing. He probably will end up with a third, but Owen's my pick. You can <laughs> pick right. him. And Who, then, who's your picks? Uh, I mean, honestly, the same. Yeah, I, yeah same exact thing. I'd have Kanoa Bronze and uh, Rio Copper, and that's... I mean, that's what I want. That's what I want to see, and that's also what I think should happen in terms of like ability in conditions and all that. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Just wanted to add a minor amendment and update here. Uh, we've recently found out that Frederico Moraes has tested positive for COVID, and therefore he's unable to compete in the Olympics. Unfortunately, it's really 
honestly devastating for Federico and Portugal. He was a very deserving Olympian. Um, but uh, the good news is that Costa Rica's Carlos Munoz has gotten the call up to fill Federico's spot. And I would immediately like to change all of my projections and say that uh, I'm on Team Carlos. Carlos for gold, silver, and bronze. I, we've completely, we haven't even mentioned the names Kolohe and John. Um, maybe because they're injured. Maybe a little bit like just some other stuff as well. But like, I don't know. I, yeah, it, it seems, it would be hard for me to imagine. I mean, I guess Kolohe if he's feeling good, could step up and get a bronze. But John, from what I've seen, I mean, I know, of course, Simpo's going to say that he's getting better, and I'm sure he is. But, like, from what we saw in the video last week, and he's just, he's still two and a half months out of a knee surgery. Like, that's really, really intense, man. I just can't see him in the moment, um, you know, either. I don't know if he wouldn't necessarily go for the shit that would get him through a heat against some of these guys, or if he just wouldn't be able to make it because, you know, he's still tender and not 100%. But, yeah, it just doesn't seem likely to me. But maybe he'll prove us wrong. Yeah, you know who said he was really impressed with how he was looking in the pool was uh, Evan actually sent me a text when I uh, got off the phone with our chat the other week and then saw the American team was there, you know, tried to get the goss. And Evan's a harsh critic. And he, he said John was looking really, really good. So there's there's always a chance. And, and like Simpo was saying, these guys at the top, top level, they know how to turn it on. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But we're here to give our picks and I guess that's that's them and getting back to it I hope what we spoke about earlier with the broadcast situation I just hope we can tune into all those heats that feature um, mm. potentially those surfers because I know in Australia they'll, they'll obviously put on the times where you know Steph, Sally, Julian or Owen are in the water but there's lots of other heats that as fans we want to watch so hopefully uh, hopefully we get to see that uh, moving over to the women's side of things who you got over there I'm going to go with Caroline. I think somebody young's going to win. I think she deserves it. I think she'd be a great face for the future of surfing and women's surfing. And I think she's got just kind of the right sort of determined but lighthearted attitude. Um, I think, you know, some of the more established women like Carissa and Sally and Steph, they obviously have what it takes to win the Olympics. But I think that the Olympics are truly... Um, kind of a vessel for youth and for progression and i think it would just be way cooler if caroline won down the list uh carissa second sally third steph fourth i'm gonna go sally first because i just reckon she's just custom built for the olympics mm. That would be like the the one thing because she's been really the bridesmaid of the women's tour for the past decade. So I think that that would be like a really really cool thing for her, and I'd be I'd be stoked to see her win as well. Yeah, totally. It's almost like you talk about people deserving it. I'm not really one to throw that word around too much, but she certainly um, deserves all the good fortune that comes her way when it comes to competing because she's had some uh, some unfortunate you know, prior results there on the world tour that's, uh, you know, fantastic to finish with number two in the world, but to do it as many times as she has must be, uh, yeah, definitely something that's still on her mind. So to get a gold, he would definitely help, uh, you know, help her confidence moving into the world tour season or the rest of it. 
Silvana Lima second, Caroline Marks third, Carissa Moore fourth. Oh, okay, cool. I like Silvana in there. I think that is probably a really good play. Um, she still, for me, does probably the the best female airs um, for like kind of CT surfers. So if she could bring some of that to it, that would not only obviously score well, but that would elevate her, I think, in terms of like just overall visibility in the Olympics. I think that that would probably set her apart. And for someone who has dealt with, you know, she's expressed it basically um, that she feels like she was overlooked a lot in surfing um, and that she didn't get the kind of adulation that she deserved for her ability, which I would probably agree with, you know, she was always kind of fighting for sponsors and and all that. And when she was an incredible surfer, um, I think that the Olympics in the same way that it's great for youth, like Caroline Marks, it could also be a place of like great discovery for somebody like Silvana Lima, who's always been at that level, but didn't have the recognition of other surfers. 100% agree. 100%. I think that would be, yeah, they're the kind of cool stories that I think we can we can get out of this. Another cool story is that the Australian soccer team just beat Argentina 2-0 in their opening game of the soccer. So that is the kind of stories that, as a Aussie, you can really get behind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've uh, we've pretty much flogged this Olympic horse. Um, obviously no, we'll be back we're, to only, we're doing one, like, update after every round, TV show style. <laughs> Um, we'll obviously be back to talk about it after it ends and break down as much of it as we can, assuming Mm. we can watch it. Um, Mm. but I also wanted to just tip my cap to, um, us really for putting out stab high. Um, we just released our first episode from Costa Rica and yeah, it was a trip that we did back in May of this year. We invited 18 of the world's best male area of the world's best male aerialists and six ladybirds from all around the world. Um, I think we actually had people from six of the seven continents involved in the event, which is really cool. We got great waves. People did some fucked up airs. And um, yeah, I, I think that episode one is amazing. I think all the other episodes are going to be amazing. So I hope that uh, everybody gets to tune into that as well. Here, here. Good on you guys for pulling that off. That looked um, like a wild ride, and I'm stoked to see Ep1 come out. And also, just a, a tip of the cap to those little profile pieces that have been coming out. I know that in the Instagram world, anything longer than 10 seconds usually gets skimmed past, but if anyone's wondering, the IGTV on the Stab Insta has a couple of epic insights into a few surfers who I think are crazy talented but never really had heaps of push particularly in australia guys like emai kalani devault and uh moro diaz they're so cool to see crew like that get some recognition and get opportunities to compete um even though it's kind of a contest quote unquote but it's sick to see and and i can't wait to yeah tuck into the rest of the episodes hey so speaking of instagram one more thing that uh, I want to talk about. Did you happen to see the video we posted originally like a week ago and then more recently a couple days ago of a guy burning someone at Kira and then getting like the most fucked up 10 second barrel doggy doors out? Um, did you happen to catch this one? Yeah, I did actually. Yeah, funny, funny you mentioned that. I did happen to catch uh, both the original post and the story that you did. 
So, uh, yeah, the, the original video was basically captioned, if you burn someone on the way of your life, does it still count? And this obviously sparked a lot of comments and debate on our page, which we thought was super fun. And then um, basically I reached out to the person who was the quote unquote burner. Um, and, you know, I basically told him because we saw what happened with the whole Mitch Parkinson incident a few months back when Kira was pumping and he got burned by someone and basically this guy got absolutely torched on the internet and we found out later that he was getting like death threats and he was like having a lot of you know like psychological issues dealing with it so we didn't want to cause anything like that so I basically told the guy I'm more than happy to keep you anonymous on this like you know we just want to kind of get your side of the story and find out um, you know did you do it on purpose did you not see him was it, you know, whatever. And he just came out of the gates absolutely firing and and gave us an incredible little uh, interview type thing in our DMs. Um, And I'm just going to read what he sent to us verbatim. He said, cheers for reaching out, Stab. As you guys are aware, this has become a much heated topic of late. So there are a few things I want to highlight and share. First and foremost, my name is Josh Glennon. Just fucking (laughs) pins himself on the wanted poster. Uh, I've been born and raised in Kulangata and have lived in front of Kira for 27 years. Um, this is about localism. Was the drop-in heavy? For sure. Did I know the guy? Not personally. Did I feel good about doing it? Not really. Was the wave worth it? Absolutely. And um, yeah, I I was pretty like taken aback, but also just like so impressed that this guy, one, he's really kind of like eloquent and two just so candid just so straightforward like no beating around the bush I guess very Aussie in that sense you guys have a way of uh saying things kind of straight which I really appreciate um and yeah I just wanted to get your thoughts first of all do you know Josh Glennon Joshy Glennon of course I know Joshy Glennon he's a fellow member of the Snapper Rocks board riders and is a really good example of a locals mentality when the waves are good on the Gold Coast and uh, I think that there's probably no better person to talk to than Josh in that sense just because of he can play both roles he can play the role of that hard-nosed get out of my way I'm going anyway if you want kind of vibe which obviously strikes a lot of people up the wrong way and he can also write a nice word because he's a very intelligent young man. So that's why I think that your article was really good. And I know it would have pissed a lot of people off, but I think pretty much everything he said in there was something that a lot of us Gold Coasters would just nod and agree, whether you're from Snapper, Kira, Burley, South Stratty, whatever you consider yourself to be your zone. Everyone's had that experience of what Josh has had. Well, okay. So, and, and to that point, he goes on to say, People have to understand there's a clear message to this story. The true locals of Kulangata will be taking the best waves and the best swells, period. For whatever reason, the public seems to think that there is no formal pecking order here and that anyone can paddle out and get whatever wave they want. Can this be done at Pipeline? Can this be done at Narrabeen? Can this be done at Kalbari? Absolutely not. Yet for whatever reason, it seems perfectly fine to scrutinize the locals at the most publicized wave in the world. Um, Which is interesting because he's right to a certain degree, like you, you can't do this at a lot of those kind of like premier waves. But I do think that Kira is a little bit different because most of those waves that he mentioned, um, except for maybe Narrabeen, really do have like a defined takeoff spot. 
And when you are in a position where there's a defined takeoff spot, it's so much easier to one, understand the local hierarchy and two, understand like who's kind of like deepest and who's been sitting there for a long time and who just got a wave and all that. Whereas Akira, like I've never served Kira. Well, actually I did, but it was like one foot. But Kira, from what I understand, is like a ridiculously long wave and there's and there's different sections that you can sit on. So if you are somebody who's not from Kulangata, right, and you do paddle out at Kira on a good day and a good wave comes to you and you happen to be in position, there's nobody deeper, like, of course you're going to go first and foremost, and then you're going to be in the barrel and you're going to see this guy dropping in and you're just going to think like, what the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? Like this guy might've taken off 50 yards further down the line than where you started, but in his mind, he's justified because he's a local, but it's like, I don't know, how far does that really extend? Like, is it, is it actually that theoretical foreigner's fault like should he not have gone on that wave even though he was in great position and there was no one near him like what are you supposed to do just not paddle out that doesn't seem reasonable there's so many layers to that that i don't think i can answer your question in less than four hours one thing i will say (laughs) is that if you're sitting on your lineup and a wave comes to you then I mean, from a local's perspective, you're going the wave regardless of what it's done prior to you and if there's someone on it or not. There's plenty of waves at Kira that barrel before they get to you. That doesn't mean that you weren't sitting where you wanted to sit. And there's plenty of people that have spots they like to sit. So that's all I'll say about that. Secondly, for me personally, I'm not at the top of the pecking order out there. I'm more towards the bottom. So... A, a tactic, if anyone cares, is to look who is down the line. And if I look down the line and I see Mick Fanning or Dean Morrison, I do not fucking go the wave. It's that simple. You, to answer your question, I don't go. Now, am I wrong in doing that? Maybe, but I don't want their fins in my head. So I'm going to wait for the next wave and I'm going to wait my turn and I'm going to go the next one. And that's... That's just the way it goes. I've seen the back end of that many guys out there as a kid growing up and still to this day that that's just the way it works. And I'm, I'm happy with that. So I paddle out there knowing that. And there's plenty of great surfers who are locals on the Gold Coast that don't paddle out. And that's, that's a shame. And I, I, I think that that sucks. But you see crew out there like Bruce Lee or Daryl Parkinson or like Wayne Dean and fucking crew that you've never even seen before or never would even buy a coffee at the local coffee shop or, or support a local just paddling past the old boys. Like, you know, and Josh is right. You would not see that anywhere else around the world. So it has gotten to a point where the crowd out there is so ridiculous that you are going to see these things happen more often than not. And there's plenty of videos on the internet that explain the ecosystem out there without, you know, so you have to paddle out there with a, with a mentality of it's, it's a, it's a war zone and it distasteful things happen. So pretty much just expect to get dropped in on. And if you don't, it's a blessing. It's my fucking attitude. Every time I paddle out. Fuck. That does not sound like a a fun way to surf. No, it's not. And, And this is where Jed Smith's article on localism a few weeks back I definitely agree with Jed in that sense and that there are a lot of crew out there that unfortunately their expectations are not in line with the reality. And yes, they will be unhappy. 
they will have a stressful time. Their cortisol and stress levels and hormones and all that shit will be imbalanced and they will have dis-ease within their life after they surf Kira. No mm. doubt in my mind. It's funny. But that's that's it, their fault for having the wrong the wrong idea about how the ecosystem works out there. It's a different beast. It's a weird place. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of good waves. Does that mean you're entitled to one? Not necessarily. So you gotta you gotta be prepared for shit to go down. And you've also gotta be prepared to fucking wear one if you wanna burn someone and mm. it's the wrong guy. He might not be a local, but he might be also not given a fuck that you are a local and it's on plenty of people have been punched in the head out there so it's it is just a f- real shitstorm. i mean personally i watched that sunday all day i didn't I, because i was just existential crisis am i surfing am i not surfing holy shit it's crowded holy shit it's pumping what am i doing what am i doing what am i doing and i waited till about three thirty before i finally just mustered up the courage to go out there and had a had a fun time was i an asshole 100 percent. but it i don't know i just murray burton said to me one day that unless you hear your name it's all good <laughs> that's a good rule i like and that. I, I, I i i do that i call people's names because that's i'm lucky enough to have grown up here and i know all the familiar faces so if i see someone i call their name That'll make them stop paddling. But if, you know, I'm not going to call Mick off a fucking wave at Kira. So that's what I mean. I know I know what, who's who and that's just the way it goes. Uh, and if you're lucky enough, you, you end up on the second or third wave of the set that they don't want. And that's exactly what happens at all the other good waves in the world. So, and here's no different. There's just a lot of other crew out there. And Kira, you can get out there without getting your hair wet. It's so user-friendly. And it's a four to six foot sand bottom barrel. Like it's not over reef. Um, it's not a high injury wave, although there have been some shockers out there, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's a perfect storm for a big crowd. Mm, it is, yeah. All right, well, um, yeah. So that, you're not getting our... any step-offs when you come to Australia with me or JS, and now you're not getting away about Kira. <laughs> Fucking hell, Mikey, you're off to a bloody good start. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, fair enough, I suppose. Oh, no, I don't know. I, I was stoked I'll to see surf Josh. surf paradise by myself. <laughs> it's good up there, but that's where... That's where all the lifeguards work that do step offs with JS. So you know you got to be careful. You know it's just no <laughs> safe havens here anymore. But no, I was stoked to see Josh um, have a chat with you, and I, I think it was sick that you reached out to him. And I'm I'm sorry to the dude that got faded. Uh, hope that he didn't get hurt. And that's just there's a video there's a video of, uh, that a that a local filmmaker made that he put on his YouTube or something. It's like eight minutes long. It's pretty cool. All the best waves. There's barely a wave in it that doesn't have a fading it's mm. it's horrific it's ab it's 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 disgusting it's it's so heavy to watch yeah. but, there was a i think uh the the best comment on the on the site story that we posted of josh is he's right but he's wrong and i think that pretty much sums up how most surfers feel about it oh i agree that i laughed so hard when i read that because there's the odd academic that just pops up in the stab comment question and will write like the most prolific thing you've ever read and you're like, oh my God, this person's so onto it. But they usually take a few paragraphs to write it and that in like six words was just the perfect description of of not just Josh's attitude but a lot of people's attitude. 
in in one case they're spot on and in another case you just want to shake their head and go that's not how humanity works <laughs> but it's just a different beast so yeah people yeah. are actually really upset on our the second one we posted on instagram where we actually had josh's quote on the video because um, i think they were seeing it as us promoting that kind of behavior i suppose um, which is not what we were doing we were just relaying uh, basically it, what happened in the situation but yeah there's there's clearly a pretty um i don't know like real divide between the people who back quote-unquote localism and people who just cannot even understand it in a theoretical 100%. sense you know yeah um, and it's 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 complex it's nuanced it's not black and white it's uh, anybody that surfed their whole lives will understand that it's not one way and it's not the other and everything is wrong and none of it is right, but it just, it is what it is. And yeah, to um, further the point of the word localism, I think personally in my experience, uh, uh, it's not necessarily the fact you were born and bred at a particular spot that defines your localism. I think it's, it's give and take. And I think that a lot of the best locals in the world and you see it everywhere, and that's what's so cool about surfing is that they're, they're giving back through the community via their surfing as well. And um, I think that that's what makes a good local, not just necessarily the fact you can say you were born and bred. That obviously helps when you're in an argument with someone in the water, but I think that it, it, it needs to work both ways. And, and a lot of people would write on Josh's Instagram, oh, karma's going to get him. Yeah, fuck, maybe it will. Maybe it won't. He, he, I, I can vouch for him. He's a good dude. He's a smart man. And... Um, yeah, like I said, Kira's a unique beast. <laughs> and on the point of uh, people, you said being born and bred there, that reminded me of something that my, my friend used to always do. And uh, anytime he'd go surf somewhere that's like whatever, quote unquote, localized, and somebody would give him a hard time and be like, I've been surfing here for 43 years. And he'd say, and you're only that good? Oh. <laughs> and like the whole thing Love is it. so ego based that like yeah. it would th nothing would make somebody matter in an instant than oh. you criticizing their surfing level based on how long they've been surfing this particular wave oh. and it just fucking cut to the core. That's the first thing I think about when I go to spots around the world and and that happens. It's just oh yeah, cool. If you want this wave, that's all good. Like I'll get out of your way. No drama at all, but just maximize your opportunity please cuz you know if you're not going to get that little three-foot barrel on the inside, I will. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Well, um, I guess that's it for us. We will, again, be keeping a keen eye on the Olympics. Um, I got to update my MBC subscription. And we'll be covering it every day on the site. I think our new hire, uh, Mr. Ethan Davis, will be watching that from Australia and doing daily comp reports. Keep up with it all on stabmag.com. And we'll be back in a week or two to talk about the Brazilians winning. <laughs>